On the 11th hour of the 11th day of the 11th month in 1918, World War I officially ended. It was said to be the war to end all wars. It was anything but that. Now, 100 years later, Europe finds itself once again divided during a crucial moment in history. This is TikTok. I'm Dave Myers. Joining me now is Bloomberg Senior Reporter for International Affairs in London, Mark Champion. Thanks for joining us, Mark. Thank you. So what happened 100 years ago this weekend? Uh, well, it was the the day when uh, uh, Germany signed an armistice. It essentially capitulated at the end of World War I uh, on Marshal Foch's uh, train carriage uh, in the uh, forest of Compiègne in, in France. Um, and uh, it was a, a, a true capitulation. Uh, Germany agreed to demilitarize, to withdraw. It still occupied territory in France and Belgium and so on, but it, it uh, agreed to withdraw uh, behind uh, the German borders and to allow an allied occupation of the Rhineland. And this was the end of a bloody war where millions died. Yes. Uh, I mean, there are varying estimates, but they, they are pretty close to 20 million people dead on, on all sides. So what was supposed to happen in Europe in the shadow of World War I? Well, the idea was that this, this was the war to end all wars, that everybody would understand uh, the insanity of this kind of uh, bloodshed. Uh, and it would never happen again. Uh, and the uh, the French and the British in particular uh, were determined to put Germany in a box uh, so that it could not rise again. Uh, and you ended up uh, several months later with the Versailles Peace Treaty, um, in which Germany was uh, uh, punished severely. Um, Russia, of course, wasn't there. Um, you'd had the uh, Bolshevik Revolution during the war, mm-hmm. uh, and the civil war was going on. So Russia was, you know, not part of the deal. Uh, and you know, in historical, historically, in hindsight, um, that uh, treaty and the armistice were uh, understood to have really not solved the problem. It didn't solve any problem, uh, but created really a truce in the war, which broke out again 20 years later. Yeah, so the revolution in Russia, the placing Germany in the box and punishing them, as you said, that was really the end of World War I, but the beginning of World War II. Uh, yes, in in many ways it was. I mean, you know, nothing is ever inevitable, etc. But uh, uh, when historians look back, uh, there's a pretty strong consensus that Versailles uh, was a disaster, uh, and that uh, you know it was the the wrong uh, France and 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 Britain, uh, but France in particular. But Britain was sort of semi-detached as usual. Uh, but uh, France in particular had to maintain the peace, uh, and it's. It was not a rising power. Germany was a rising power. Russia was a rising power. This is why these countries went to war. Uh, France and Britain essentially joined uh, Russia to make sure that uh, Germany didn't win and end up dominating the continent. Um, but uh, they were not the rising powers. And, uh, you know, the, the, after 20 years, uh, the situation just became un- unsustainable. So, what parallels are you seeing? in the aftermath of World War I and the current political situation we have today in Europe? Well, I think there are two. Uh, and you, you really want to look at, uh, in, in the first, uh, which is the rise of nationalism. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and that's, how, you know, that's what drove the war, uh, how you got into the war. And, uh, and, and there you can see some parallels. And, and people talk about that a good deal at the moment. Um, and yet now you have rising nationalism again, 
uh, with a lot of questions being raised about the European Union. You have the, you know, Britain uh, intending to leave. Uh, you have the Poles and Hungarians both in trouble with Brussels, uh, uh, potentially being fined. Uh, and you have national movements in different countries, which if they haven't uh, said they want to, uh, to leave the EU, um, they, uh, they've, done, they've, they've avoided doing that because they, they, they think it would be politically damaging to them. Um, for example, you, you have uh, Marine Le Pen's movement in France, uh, the National Front. They mm -hmm. were anti-EU. Uh, they've modified that position, uh, but it's it's bubbling away there. Uh, that you know nationalist uh, uh, anger at at the euro, at uh, you know, and, uh, and perceived to be overbearing Brussels, uh, and and so you have this. Um, you know, nationalist uh, fight developing again. And as that fight is developing and, and bubbling up and dividing Europe, whose job is it in Europe? What leader has taken it upon themselves and their country to keep it all together? Well, the French president, Emmanuel Macron, has volunteered to do it. He's taken on the role. Uh, and he's been very, um, you know, very upfront about it. Uh, I, you know, aggressive would be the wrong term, but he's definitely set himself out as the, the leader of the movement to uh, maintain a, a liberal, open, and unified Europe. And his, you know, the, the great debate in Europe is, uh, okay, we've run into trouble. Everybody agrees with that. Um, so the question then is, are the problems uh, a failure of the EU to complete its project. You know, the EU, the, the euro is a good example. You know, is the problem with the euro uh, that it wasn't completed uh, and that you need to do things like build a banking union and all those kinds of things in order to, to, uh, to, to finish the job uh, and make it sustainable? Uh, on the other side, you have uh, these uh, more nationalist movements that have risen up. Uh, which are saying, no, the problem is that the EU has overstepped the mark. It was never supposed to be a United States of Europe, um, and it's not feasible. So what we need to do is start unpicking some of it, um, mm -hmm. that the, the nation states should do whatever they can do. The EU should only do what the nation states can't do. Uh, so you, you have these two different ideas of how to fix the problem. And the this week, uh, President Macron toured France. He went to towns impacted by World War One. He went to former battlefields, and he was spreading a message that I think you could say was meant to remind us of the mistakes of the past. How did that tour go for him? I think it was very mixed. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a message. He used language which is quite sort of, uh, uh, you know, very resonant. Uh, so he was trying to say, you know, remember Hitler, remember Mussolini. Um, he talked about sleepwalking. There's a, a famous um, book uh, written not long ago uh, about how the First World War began, and it's called Sleep the Sleepwalkers. Um, and so the, the idea was, you know, uh, you be vigilant. When these nationalist leaders, uh, you know, tell you about how the world, you know, your life can be much better if only it wasn't for the EU, if only we stood up for ourselves and for our you know, French nationality, the, the ethnic French, um, if we stand, you know, and, and against immigrants and, and this sort of thing. Um, it, when you hear that, 
beware. Mm-hmm. It happened before in, in the 1930s, um, and it ended very, very badly. Um, so it's a powerful message, but, um, you know, he is going against the grain of, of how, you know, how a lot of people feel now. And it is the, uh, the you know, the more nationalist upstart parties who've been making inroads and, it, and not the established centrist parties. Uh, so it's a, it's a, it, it's a difficult message. You know, you will find, he will find people who uh, very much agree with him. Um, but the, the, you know, the Europe, just like the United States, is increasingly polarized on these issues. Speaking of the United States, uh, President Trump is one of the world leaders attending ceremonies this weekend in France. How does a president who claims to himself to be a nationalist impact Macron, who is fighting against that same trend in Europe? Well, yes, uh, they are very much on opposite sides of the, the fence on this issue. Um, and, uh, you know, Trump is no fan of the EU. Uh, it represents, you know, the thing to remember about the EU is that it, it grew up um, writing into law, really, uh, very liberal principles. Uh, you know, no death. You can't be part, part of the EU if you had the death, death penalty. Um, and it goes far beyond that. Uh, so it's, it's culturally, you know, if there's a, there's a culture war going on, uh, Trump and Macron are very much uh, leading opposite sides of that culture war. Macron, you know, uh, around this uh, uh, commemoration of the November 11 armistice, uh, he has organized uh, what he hopes will be an annual conference to improve global governance. Uh, You know, sort of international institutions are invited, uh, NGOs, all, you know, all kinds of uh, people have been invited to this event, which is Really, um, I, I can't imagine. I, I, I suspect that uh, Donald Trump won't be spending a lot of time uh, at this event. It, it represents everything that he really doesn't have time for. So, if if they're expected to hold these conferences, and you know, President Putin is also going to be there this weekend, are they going to take time to talk about that, about nationalism, about anti-immigration? I, I think there will be speeches. And, uh, and, you know, people will make speeches about the, the, the terrors of war. Um, some people, like Macron for sure, will talk about uh, the, the dangers of nationalism. I imagine Angela Merkel will as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, other, uh, other speeches that are made or other comments that are made that will steer away from that sort of stuff. And how do you define um, success then? in combating against this issue that harkens almost back to exactly 100 years ago? I, you know, I, I don't think you can succeed at an, an event like this uh, in, in, in terms of, you know, changing, uh, changing the, the, the drift of, of what is happening. You know, it's, it's not as though Macron is going to persuade Trump uh, to say, oh, now I see, I understand, um, you know, I, I was wrong. Uh, you know, if I'd really thought about World War One and the dangers that are involved there, um, you know, I, I wouldn't be against immigration or whatever. Um, that, that kind of thing, you know, can't happen. Uh, but I think, you know, as with all politics, you know, pol- good politicians try and change the agenda. They try and shape the territory that, you know, their opponents have to work with. And that's really what Macron has done. He's created this big event. Everybody has to agree that World War One was a big deal. It was a bad thing. 
so it's very difficult to stay away and say, no, I love World War One. I. I mean, it's just, you know, that, that can't happen. So you've, he's, he's taken advantage of uh, 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 this event in order to try and set an agenda that's favorable to him. Mark, thank you. Not at all. Thank you. Make sure to follow Mark on Twitter. He's at MarkChampion1. That's the TikTok for today. Thanks for listening, and please head on over to iTunes and let us know what you think. I'm Dave Myers. You can follow me on Twitter at David F. Myers, and you can get all your updates 24-7 at TikTok. <laughs>